As we continue our series on how to maintain your heart in the midst of fear raging and raging conflict. conflict. <laughs> so it's been a big week. Huge. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we have a guest with us today, Carrie Myers, who is going to be talking about a little bit of brain science. She's not an mm, authority on this, but she just has some really interesting insight as to how to have healthy rhythms and stay connected to the Lord and manage your heart in the midst of raging conflict. Yes. <laughs> I'm basically going to say that as many times as I can over I the next however many times. Welcome to the Moo Lily podcast. We are women who have given up on trying to live in perfectionism and guilt. Because let's be honest, it just doesn't work. So we're trying something different in choosing to live intentionally and with hope. Please join us as we attempt to open the conversation and search out answers in a safe place. Good morning, everyone. I'm Christiana and I'm here with Christina. This is the Moolily podcast. It is. Hooray. <laughs> Hooray us. It's great to be together again. So the Moolily podcast is brought to you by Wooten Media. Who make epic wedding videos. Yes. Among other things. If you just want to make a cool video. So there's okay, there's like levels. Mm -hmm. Like he could, they could make you a cool one or they could make you an epic one. That's is there a right. price difference? Like should we make a scale of... I don't know. Mm -hmm. No, but it's it's all worth it. It's all worth it. That's Either way, it's going to blow your mind. Check them out. They're awesome. Yes, absolutely. Um, we are continuing the war on grumbling. I believe yep. we're about 25 days in. It's been a long time. So hopefully you've been following us on yes. social media, Facebook, mm -hmm. Instagram. Instagram. Um, it's been a really cool process. Naomi visited our kiddos at school. Yeah, I heard all about the book and sang the song, and they've been singing the song. So there's two books that are, are part of this uh, little creatures with very large features. features. Mm -hmm. And um, so one thing that I'm grateful for, I didn't prepare something. You're that pausing I'm grateful for. significantly. Yes, I had a really fun weekend. I went with a friend down to Oklahoma to oh, like right. a mother-daughter crafty that's thing. Right. And I am not instinctively a very crafty person, but it was like really therapeutic. It was like a beautiful, Ooh. beautiful day. And they had, we were outdoors in this little undercover pagoda thing. I don't know what you call it, but it was, <laughs> and it was like covered in streamers and it was like really oh. girly and crafty and. Uh, it was just what did like you very key for my soul. So we we got this little wooden sort of clipboard thing that we could like paint. Mm -hmm. And then they gave you a pad of paper and a colorful, interesting, big bulldog clip to put on it. Mm. And we did this weaving thing, which neither... <laughs> I mean, my daughter and didn't I go didn't so really well, have huh? the patience <laughs> for. I couldn't see the vision. Like I have to have mm, the goal in my mind and when i saw the end one i was like what is the point of that like what do i do with that it was okay, gonna be function, like a circle function. well i mean was this supposed to be like a you could put a like a, a hot pot on it you know? uh, maybe maybe okay well um you didn't have vision we it's didn't okay. finish that one okay. <laughs> and then they had a button making machine or like a pin Ooh. so you they had all these little um round little pictures little cartoon mm -hmm. you know there was a hashtag and there was a donut and there was a unicorn and hashtag donut yeah 
<laughs> and okay. so you choose a little picture and you put it in the thing and then there's a little piece of plastic that goes over and then the backing and you like it's like this big lever that you pull down and like chunk it all comes together and we should get a machine like that, it was Christina. so cool think of all so the things we could make I know. my <laughs> friend and i were looking at this thing because our two girls were just enthralled with this thing you got yeah. to make three each so she made three and then i let her make my three oh. and then whenever she'd get bored with the weaving thing or just generally get distracted <laughs> she'd like go and sneak in another one or two like oh she gosh. we left with about I don't know, 12 <laughs> between us. Um, anyway, so I was just grateful for the quality time with awesome. my daughter and with my friend and the whole the whole day was just really refreshing, even though we spent eight hours in the car. Yeah, it sounds um, lovely though. It was really lovely. Yeah. So, yeah. Very nice. Yeah. How about you, Christiana? What are you grateful for? What am I grateful for? Um, I'm grateful. Oh, yesterday, ironically, my facilitator who facilitated me in a really cool inner healing prayer model over the last year, she now lives in Tulsa. So mm. she was here. Oh, you were in Tulsa and yeah. she was here. And I was able to have a really delightful session with her yesterday. Awesome. So it was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I had a good time with my kiddos. We mowed the lawn. Right. Mostly me mowed the lawn, but, right. you know, they tried to help. So it was nice. It was a, and I saw a fun movie. So it was a really, it was my self-care day, right? Yeah. Sunday. So I, it was nice. It was a nice time. So I'm it, really just grateful for yesterday. Awesome. This yeah. weather, like this, I feel like I've talked about the weather every time for the last six weeks we've been together. <laughs> but, um, there's something about being able to enjoy being yeah. outside. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we have quite a big yard and lots of trees and it's like our kids, they're like really being kids. They're like finding sticks and collecting acorns and digging up worms. And Aww. it's like they're just playing outside. And I love it. I love it. It's, it's so good. Excellent. I feel like it's really good for them like it's really it healthy is good. Mm -hmm. good developmentally and physically and building your immune system around. yeah getting sunshine my children have no problem with being exposed to <laughs> germs and bacteria they have very healthy <laughs> immunity <laughs> i don't know if they do but they've certainly they're really dirty given so their no. yeah. <laughs> is that what you're saying because yeah. that's what i hear because my kids are always dirty so i think absolutely <laughs> i love that i think I think children are meant to be dirty. They are. Mm -hmm. I think so. So, any other so, news? Anything else coming up um, that you want to mention? Yes, mm -hmm. we are doing something fun and different. Fun and different. Yes. So <laughs> you're used to hearing our voices, and you are going to see our faces. <gasps> it's our big moment. We are doing a video series called the 12 days of chaos love it a christmas devotional yes we really want to have some fun with this but we also want to bring some truth and some encouragement yep. to the christmas season yep. so we're going to be hitting on 12 things that can be stressful or, or that can sort of feel like we're kind of caught up in the flurry of the season and we really want to get back to what's important and also how to do some of those big, fun, yes. kind of crazy things that we do and do them well and do them uh, with peace and not pressure. Awesome. So it's going to be really good. It's going to be really it's good. It's going to be really good. So keep an eye out for that. So 
We have a guest with us today, Carrie Myers. Hello. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. I'm so glad to be here. So Carrie and I have worked together for the last few years on a leadership development school called FORM. You've heard me talk about this a little bit. Uh, and Carrie and her husband also lead um, another program called LTP, the Leadership Training Project, which is for mm -hmm. younger, like college age students or yeah, people, they don't have to be in college, but young leaders. And um, I've learned a great deal from her in this mm -hmm. time. And Carrie is a woman of great delight. She delights in the Lord and in her family and in simple pleasures like really good food. Christina looked right at me when she said <laughs> I also delight in really good food. Yes, <laughs> we are food people. Christiana more than me, but... Um, and she also has just a fantastic sense of humor. So um, she's a leader, a teacher, a mom, uh, a missionary to the inner city. And one of the greatest strengths and, the, and one of the primary reasons that I invited her on the show today was that um, what she brings to our community that has really inspired me is a, her humility and her vulnerability that she says yes to Jesus even when the call is difficult but she's also allowed him to lead her in building things into her life that protect that calling and help her to invest in the things that are really important. So, yeah. Wow, those are really kind words. Thank you. Very, very true words, for sure. So, Carrie, I wanted you to start with just telling us a little bit about how you met your husband. Oh because gosh. I think this story is priceless. <laughs> well, it's different. <laughs> it's different. We like different on Moodle. Okay. Well, um, we were at college. Mm -hmm. We were in Lynchburg, Virginia, and I worked at a coffee shop that my best friend owned. Mm -hmm. And my roommate and I at the time wanted to get a small pet. And we went to the pet store and we found these teeny tiny snakes. That tiny, were just so cute. <laughs> so cute. Okay. I don't know that I could ever use that Did word you to describe a snake, but I'll take your word for it. Take your word. <laughs> Did you intend to get a snake? What were you setting out to get? Well, initially, the dream was to get a puppy, which is a really irrational hope of a college, college student, student in mm -hmm. an apartment. But um, we decided teeny tiny turtles would be super <laughs> cute in an turtle. aquarium mm -hmm. in our home. But unfortunately... It's illegal to carry native turtles that are smaller than four inches in diameter in Lynchburg. So that was not even an option. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was a legal That's issue. kind of amazing. Yeah. yeah, it was. So you got a snake instead. Yeah. I remember telling her, I'm like, oh, look at this tiny snake. It was all coiled up, probably the size of like a quarter all coiled up. And she goes, wow. I will not even look at it. And I kind of coaxed her into holding it. I got somebody to come out and get it out of the aquarium mm -hmm. and she held it and she's like okay it's kind of cute and it's kind of cute. end of story we named him Atreyu. <laughs> Atreyu. <laughs> so good and I I brought him to work well I wasn't working at the time my best friend was behind the counter and I just showed up with the snake in my purse okay you have to the just back it up lady. a little bit <laughs> you put a snake in your purse I did. I'm sorry. Because they like dark places. And and this just seemed normal. Well, I, it just seemed more appropriate than just having it in my hand. <laughs> okay, yeah. And so I okay. emptied my purse. It was a cloth <laughs> bag 
<laughs> kind of like a she satchel. Was in college. Uh, I mean, that's just everything is relative to. Yes, college is a uh-huh. whole different world. Mm-hmm. It's uh-huh. like, Listen, I didn't carry snakes in my bag in college. I just <laughs> go. Okay, Most people on. don't. I, just, I actually. You make it sound like oh, I'm like like everyone I knew had a snake in their bag. Like, I know, but you kind of just do random things. It seemed normal at the time. I I didn't think anything of it, but I did okay. think it was odd that whenever I would show somebody they would be horrified (laughs) and I'm like this is the size of a small pin Mm -hmm. you know this is not scary but everyone had this reaction to it that it was really did you kind of enjoy bringing that reaction out of people (laughs) maybe I was more annoyed that okay these Mm. grown adults were reacting the way they were you're (laughs) adorable (laughs) yes I really don't like snakes a lot of people don't. It's like it's a misconception. They're actually really docile and kind, and I mm-hmm. think that they make great pets. But regardless, I was kind of being a little sassy with it because everyone was having such a strong reaction to it. And I went behind the counter to show my friend, and she's like, oh, that's cool. And then this guy comes up to the register, and just kind of feeling a little spunky, I said, hold out your hand. And he held out his hand, and I put a tray in his hand, and he didn't act didn't nervous oh my gosh or scared he actually gave me the scientific name of the snake and told me all about it and he True was that. actually a, a snake that was something he was studying <laughs> he was like a <laughs> snake major <laughs> there's a word for that it'll a snake come wizard is it'll come to me later a witch doctor oh my God. <laughs> At the time, he had five snakes in his basement and had a grant to study timber rattlesnakes. He was the snake guy. He had a an al- albino Burmese python that was. Oh, those are kind of cool, though. Right? They're huge, the aren't they? Huh? The They're Burmese massive. Py- They're pythons. huge. Uh huh. Yeah. Like it takes several people to hold one. Because they'll eat your baby. The what? <laughs> they'll eat your baby. They might eat your baby. I just wanted to throw that out there. So I feel like the magic of the story has been lost in the crazy <laughs> snakes. So you put a snake in some random guy's hand to kind of get a bit of shock value. Uh-huh. And he was like... He was okay with it. And there was like that magic was his in love your language. Yeah. Snakes. And he kept mm-hmm. coming back when I was working and he kept showing up and he would kind of linger and help me close. And then we would sit out on the curb and we would talk for hours and... Mm. That was it. It's a cool story. It's a very cool story. We fell in love. Because I think if somebody passed me a snake, that would be a deal breaker. Yeah, I would it's deal probably breaker. never go back to that deal coffee shop. No, there was, just a f- <laughs> there was only one who would respond that way. Mm-hmm. That is so cool. I mean, uh, I feel like the Lord smiled on that moment. Like he almost set it up. Like it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. He thought this is going to be good. Yeah, I totally see that in that scenario and I at the time I didn't realize even when we started to date and I fell in love with him I forget how odd that story is Mm -hmm. it's kind of normal to me (laughs) have you told your oldest about this your your oldest oh yes yeah yeah Emery our eight-year-old she's she's very serious about snakes she loves them and sometimes she gets on my Pinterest account and We'll start pinning <laughs> outrageous pictures of snakes. That's so funny. <laughs> and, and if you see that on my account, it's her. It's, right. It's a, that's awesome. At least that's her story. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. She's sticking so to it. So I have to give you this little story. I'll keep it short. But Jay, my husband went with 
Ben, Carrie's uh-huh. husband, on a snake catching trip because oh he was my. a science teacher and they'd go and like look for snakes as like a part of their study, which I guess if you were 16, that would be really fun. <laughs> oh <laughs> they my. love it. They love I'm it. Sure. They tag them, they track them. They yeah. So uh, Emery went and uh-huh. Lincoln, our oldest, went. And I really don't like snakes. I'm Australian and snakes equal uh-huh. death in yeah, my mind. Yeah, right. Snakes equal um, death. So I said to James, he kind of asked me, you know, are you okay if I go on this trip or whatever? Because he was going to be away for the weekend. And I said, yeah, so long as you don't bring a snake back. Like I said it kind of joking, but there wasn't any sort of a joke about that. He was not going to bring a snake yeah. back. Yeah. And he brought a snake back. Oh, he did. James. <laughs> and we were at a friend's like two-year-old birthday party and he showed up with a snake. The little ringneck snake. Yeah, it was in a little, like it's a Tupperware little. container, but he had to crack the lid so that there was air. <sighs> and in my mind, that snake was going to get out. But it was like, it was tinier <laughs> than my corn snake. It's a tiny, it's almost like a mm, worm with a little orange ring around little, its neck. Yeah. But Doesn't I, matter. It was a snake. I was like so freaked out and I was so angry with him that he <laughs> brought the snake and that he thought it would be funny and then I said no way you have to take it back and then Lincoln who was like six maybe at the time was oh, like bless crying. His heart. <laughs> and it was like oh. it created like marriage issues for us <laughs> <laughs> so snakes can draw you together or they can tear you apart. That was that just a good so point. funny. Do you not know me? How did you think this would be a good idea? Because my husband is is very sensitive and pays attention to these things. It wasn't. It was a little bit out of character for him. He just, I guess, was caught up in the kind moment. Of caught up in the snake and, love. And he said it was so good. Like it was so just as you described them. It was kind and docile. Well, actually, it was that, kind. That, <laughs> that kind of snake. They're too small to bite, right. and they don't get any bigger. So I could see why they would think it was harmless but I can see your perspective you've grown up with this fear of snakes Mm -hmm. and it's kind of a personal yeah yeah. you know anyway (laughs) this will be known as the snake podcast yes (laughs) that's okay for all time that might be the title I don't have to think about yeah I don't know if that will draw people in or scare them away I think mostly scare them yeah I apologize for no my snake history no I love it I think it's fantastic it's an awesome story so can you tell us um, a little bit about yourself and your family? Sure. Yeah. Um, well, after my husband and I met and we would sit for hours on the curb, we, um, we got to know each other. And I think what was similar between Ben and I is that we had a longing um, to do whatever we could for the kingdom of God. Mm. And I remember we would, we would sit and talk. We'd feel like what do we do? We don't really even know. Like we love the Lord. We want to give our whole lives to him, but we don't even really know what that's going to look like or mean. Right. And so, um, we kind of started that journey together. Even in those conversations, we were going to do whatever it, um, would take to follow the Lord and obey him. And we got married, um, shortly after we met and we moved to Kansas city and started going to the gathering network and they, um, if you, if you're, you're familiar, everyone's familiar with the gathering network on this a podcast, little bit. maybe. No? I mean, I know of it. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, they have a real heart for equipping and training and discipling mm-hmm. and they kind of took us under their wing and really invested in us as leaders. And in that process, we developed a passion to equip and train others as well. Mm-hmm. And so, um, the last 10 years, um, we've 
equipped and trained college students and young adults and have given our lives to seeing um, people raised up and that's awesome mm-hmm. multiplication of the things that were imparted to you and the values that you have yeah absolutely it's fantastic. that's how it's supposed to be yeah I love seeing that actually walked out mm-hmm So, where you live mm. is interesting. I'm picking up on. Is that where we're heading? Okay. Yeah. Yes. So, mm-hmm. I want to know about where you live and why you live there. Okay. Well, we live in a neighborhood called Ivanhoe in the northeast part of Kansas City. And it's the most abandoned neighborhood in Kansas City. Um, a very marginalized area. Um, forgotten. Um, even when I talk about it, there's just... Um, my response from a lot of people is a sense of even neglect and abandonment. You know, mm-hmm. there is not a lot of interest in the places of the city that are abandoned or where there is crime or any kind of violence. And we became familiar with this neighborhood when we lived in Waldo, um, kind of, um, you know, a Where's Waldo? I think. <laughs> Where's Waldo? Central. It's south, south of, the, of city. the city, but it's yeah. It's a very trendy. It's super trendy. It's yeah. Just outside, like here, the plaza and Westport. And cool. Yeah. yeah. Well, we cool lived there for live a few there. years, and our neighbor at the time um, was getting his doctorate in community development, and mm, we okay. um, felt like the Lord was asking us as a family to recognize a need in the city and put our hands to it um, okay. as a family and a place where we could invite community into that process as well because that was our journey we wanted to begin as a family to leverage our time and our resources not just for our church and for you know you know our family but for the world around us and yeah. so um, our, our, our friend and neighbor he said there's one place to invest in the city. He said, I recommend this neighborhood called Ivanhoe. Hmm. He said, there's been a lot of um, resources directed at it to rebuild and restore what used to be there. And there is a community garden that people are rallying around to help Hmm. feed. I mean, at the time, not now, but at the time, it was what they called a food desert where there's no grocery store. Access to Uh, good food. And a lot of the people that live there don't have transportation, so that makes it really difficult. And so they said they needed help harvesting their crops. And so we started as a family to go in and help, you know, mm-hmm. pick herbs and tomatoes and pull weeds. And as we were there, we, we really fell in love with the people there, hmm. you know, and really felt a sense of peace in the area. And we were just really drawn in a way I can't really explain. We just kept wanting to be there. And um, after a while, Ben and I, felt like it was like we wanted to move there and be a part of that neighborhood because the reality is that neighborhoods like that don't need a, a bunch of white people coming in feeling like they did their job That's and right. then leaving yeah, right. you know um, there's a lot of abandoned homes that need to be occupied and to be taken care of and we felt like if we wanted to make any kind of impact we needed to live there and be a part of what everyone else was a part of yeah so what do you do there we don't really know yet. <laughs> when did you move? We moved a little over a year ago. Okay. And our our purpose and intention in living there is just to 
um, just be there, be students of what we see, and um, just kind of be, you know, as normal as we can, just as another resident on the street. And so what we've done is just slowly get to know our neighbors and establish mm-hmm. relationships. We don't have an agenda other than just being a friend. And um, I mean, we have a hope and a dream in the next you know, year to have neighborhood meals together. Yeah. And I, I, we see the process of that kind of beginning to happen. We do have neighbors come in and sit at our table, but I would love to extend that invitation to our block that there would be regular yeah. meals together in a network of community. It's fantastic. So you're offering food and you're offering family, like community and love. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Which I just have to say too, I mean, when we moved in, what I found was that people were pouring into us. Hmm. You know, In when, that neighborhood. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, we came in without a lawnmower and our grass was getting a little long and... We had neighbors say that they wanted to be a community to us, and they all started mm. taking turns mowing our lawn. Wow. So it was in our deficit that somebody was able to leverage their resources, and I think that's really important in a place that um, um, is, you know, stricken with poverty. Mm-hmm. I think to have mutual needs and a mutual relationship right. that's not built on handouts is really important mm-hmm. because yeah. people want to be a part of rebuilding the neighborhood. Um not just us, but the residents there too. We all have a common yeah. desire to see that rebuilt. And they have a community about them that I've never seen in any neighborhood that I've lived in. Hmm. They've lived there for so long and they've seen so much and they take care of each other in a in a way that I haven't seen yet. Yeah. Wow. I love it that you talk about how you were working in the community garden and you got to know the people and you felt a sense of peace there because it's not a peaceful place in terms of the crime and different things. Like that's just that's just really cool. That's an indication to me that that's where the Lord was moving your heart. And Yeah, it felt like Jesus. It felt like Jesus was there. I think we found Jesus there. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is my neighborhood. This place belongs yeah. to me. Mm-hmm. And we felt an invitation to be where he was and we feel a sense of love and adoration that he has over the people that we're around and that area. And in that we feel a great sense of peace and protection. That's fantastic. So on this series, we're looking at um, responding to the culture around us and the, even this sort of political climate where there is fear whether it's a, a real fear that's right in front of us or a perception of danger or mm-hmm. unknown things in the future and then of conflict where there's so many different opinions and values. Um, can you tell us about what does rest and abiding mean to you and how have you built those things into your life? Mm. Those are great questions. I just want to say too that I'm still learning what the answers to those questions. I feel like my life is a journey of discovering that yeah but I will tell you um, and share with you what I've learned so far um, I need regular retreats with Jesus daily and weekly and annually and and I need relational retreat with Jesus and also with with people that I trust and love those are really important to me mm-hmm. um, as far as Abide. Did you say abiding? Mm-hmm. Um, when I think of abiding with the Lord, I think of 
realigning my heart and my mind and my body under the lordship and the goodness of Jesus. Um, and an awesome definition, I think. I just want to say that. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a good description of, of what we're actually doing when we're abiding, Yeah. you know, and that looks different for me in every season and every season we have to kind of reevaluate what our capacity is and Mm -hmm. what our season allows for. But you know, the last, um, few months, my husband and I have been waking up at six in the morning and Fortunately, my kids have been sleeping until seven and we've, <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> which isn't again, it's, not, it's again. not every season, yeah. Yeah. but this season it was pretty beautiful. And we spent, um, the mornings on the front porch praying together. And that was very realigning to my heart and my mind yeah. under, I think the Lordship of Jesus and just that he, he has authority Mm-hmm. over every area of our life but at the same time he's also very good and I think him being a good father and the goodness of Jesus realigning our heart and our mind and our body under that um, in a place of rest and abiding that's what our routine in the morning looks like or look like um, the last several months um, and then we just reevaluate you know if our kids aren't sleeping through the night that's not really practical and sometimes Abiding to me looks like when my cousin, when my husband comes home from work, I just say I need 15 minutes and I go upstairs and I sit on my bed and I just tell Jesus everything I'm fearing and feeling. I say it out loud and I just wait there in silence until I feel like I hear a response from him. And Mm -hmm. I feel like the Lord always tells me in those places, whether it's 15 minutes or 30 minutes of praying or maybe three hours on a weekend. Mm -hmm. I feel like the Lord tells me that he sees me, you know, and that my emotions are valid Mm -hmm. and that he gets me, you know, so powerful. And that I'm not, I'm not behind. I'm not, I'm not failing. (laughs) And I can feel like I'm in the worst. Like I just lost it as a, as a mother. I just, you know, lost my temper in this really chaotic moment and I just am feeling this shame and Mm -hmm. I can't believe I'm doing this you know am I wounding my children (laughs) and and every time these moments or what you know whatever it is that's causing me to feel fear anxiety Mm -hmm. these moments of retreating with the Lord however long they are are so healing and restorative for me that's so powerful. I mean, even taking 15 minutes to realign your heart, mm-hmm. um, the discipline to do that, because I take 15 minutes sometimes. I mean, I do I do take time out to connect with the Lord, but often my instinct is to go and look at Pinterest or something. <laughs> do you know what it's I mean? It's take pictures on Pinterest. Um, no. <laughs> no, I've been there too. But I just think too. that that's such a fantastic practice when you can identify that there is fear there or there is like shame Mm -hmm. or whatever like we talked about this uh when sarah was on the podcast about identifying your emotions and then giving yourself compassion Mm. like you don't have to have the answer you don't have to be able to fix it all out but to be like it's okay and Mm -hmm. hearing from the lord i see you and Mm -hmm. what you're feeling it's okay like it's Mm -hmm. a valid thing and not just trying to talk yourself down and talk yourself on like you just have to be okay and you have to keep going because mm-hmm. there is a reality that there's things that have to get done and you have responsibilities but tapping in to the grace of the Lord in those moments is I just think we can't hear that enough we can't mm-hmm. yeah practice that enough practicing it and I think saying 
oh, it's doable. I took 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. I think there's this misconception or this idea of, oh, I, I'm going to have to go spend an hour and praise the Lord for the hour. Like I'll spend an hour right. all day long. You know what I mean? But yeah. I don't have an hour and that it's right. actually a skill set that you can develop, that you can mm -hmm. practice it so that if you have 15 minutes, you, you know what you need to do. You need to tell him for you, your fears and mm -hmm. your feelings and wait until you hear his voice or feel him, you know, however mm -hmm. it is that the Lord speaks to you mm -hmm. and that it's something that we can all do. And it's, it's like, yes, let's keep saying it and keep saying it and keep saying it until people actually be try it and believe it. You know, that's why yeah. like, you know, mm -hmm. I keep the things I share. Mm -hmm. I share again and again and again and again, you know, because it's like, yeah. just do it. Just do it and mm -hmm. see what happens. Mm -hmm. It's so life-changing to have the validation of the Lord mm -hmm. and have his response to your heart in that moment of, oh, this is how I feel. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Changes everything. It does. And I find that the more I can name uh -huh. my pain and my fear, which I think is a, is really difficult and sometimes mm -hmm, hard, yeah. but it takes practice. And, um, the more I do that, the more, um, I, I, I get the feedback from the Lord that I feel like I really need. So when I name it, there's almost this releasing of it. Absolutely. Mm. And the other thing I, you were talking, Christina, and I, some, when I'm feeling myself feel anxious and I can identify that or feeling fear or frustration, sometimes anger and frustration, they're like secondary mm -hmm. emotions. So what's yeah. really going on. Um, but I think in our, in our culture, we have so much stimulation, so much to do that when we feel angry, which is a secondary emotion mm -hmm. that is leading to something else, we can overwork and over function or be stimulated with the internet or whatever. And we uh -huh. cannot really, um, lean into the things that we really need to lean into. I think our emotions are these gifts, these little like tags mm -hmm. that the Lord's like put, putting in us so that we can kind of run to him. But if we overfunction or stimulate, yeah. even on the internet, I just only feel like that exacerbates how I feel, Yeah, you know? Um, but I found that when I do feel anxious and, and fearful that I have to shut off media mm. because it just messes makes it worse, messes with my mind and my yeah. heart. And if I can turn off media and run to the Lord and name my emotion, and if I can even follow that up with finding a relational connection in my life, a human being, Jesus incarnate that I trust. That's so good. That I can share my feeling with them and have them hold that for me. Yeah. The healing process that happens as I name it and kind of release it that human connection, that relational connection that we are really made for is such an incredible process and so helpful, I think, for all of us, you mm -hmm. know. So can you unpack that a little bit for us, that it's not only me and Jesus that's important, that there's that he's designed us for relationship and mm -hmm. that's a part of the process? Yeah. I think it's a misconception that we only need Jesus to be relationally healthy mm -hmm. and the reality and scripture tells us that that we are the body of Jesus you know right. we are Jesus incarnate he's alive and living in us mm -hmm. he manifests himself through us that's his plan to reach the world is us right right we are the mm -hmm. light you know Jesus his light is the light of man you know yeah. and so we need relational connections daily where we can go to and run to for a safe place to be heard and known and seen. And it is truly the heart cry of humanity to be 
known and loved and belong. And and we need that. We need that in Jesus. We need that in relational connections. Mm -hmm. It's really important. What does that look like in your life? Mm. Um, Well, my husband gets the brunt of my relational connections. (laughs) He's so lucky. (laughs) He gets all of my fears and anxiety. Um, Actually, I, I used to think it was a curse to to be aware of my emotions because I felt like it was too much and there was so much work to do with them. But I see now that it really is a gift and it's the Holy Spirit in me because um, it's allowed me to be aware of what's really happening inside me. And it's also kind of awakened my husband to the things that are going on in him. Hmm. And so Ben and I have a practice before we go to bed. And the reality is that it doesn't happen every night, but Mm -hmm. we like to have an hour where we just are in bed kind of talking about, you know, what's gone on in the day, what our fears are, what our hopes are. You know, sometimes we're just reading together a little bit too, but we have this relational, it's called, it's a kind of our sacred space where Mm -hmm. we have a certain amount of time daily to, to connect and talk. And, um, one of our, um, our friends has kind of told us he, he studies the brain and he's a therapist and he said, we, our limbic system needs flossing every day. It's fascinating. I am not an expert on this. I'm only learning it, but it, we are fascinated with it. Mm. And he said that every day we need to connect our bodies to what we feel and be aware of what we're feeling. And sometimes that looks like exercise or yoga or stretching sometimes it's just communicating what's gone on through the day Mm -hmm. because if we don't name it and have someone hold it and see it and express that in a safe healing restorative way that emotion becomes anxiety in our bodies and our bodies begin to hold the weight of our of the things we feel so it's not just a psychological thing it's a physiological thing like those emotions transfer through to your your muscles manifest. He actually showed us this chart of, of where in our bodies we carry all the different kinds of emotion Hmm. and it's incredible and fascinating. And I thought I I almost gasped when I saw it because I think we're so disconnected from our emotions and haven't given our emotions enough credibility, if that even makes sense. Mm -hmm. And we don't trust them. We don't know what to do with them. So we just shove them and suppress and, plunge forward and over function Mm. but we have all this underneath and I don't know that people give themselves permission to feel right yeah they don't and we come from such a Greek perspective and mindset and even how we do church and theology and religion all these things Mm. where they're the physical and the spiritual these separate things you know yeah that's a whole huge conversation but Mm -hmm. that's one of those I think the manifestations of it is that especially as believers we're not connecting that my spirit and my emotions my brain that all Mm. these things are connected and there's something happening in my body and I think it would be so interesting to look at a chart like that Mm -hmm. and go if I'm carrying stress in my left hip what does that say (laughs) you know I don't know how specific it was but it if you could kind of reverse engineer that process I know you know right to identify what's going on yeah I think we're so used to suppressing our emotions that that's why that seems so helpful because we're not super aware of them all the time yeah that is so interesting I a friend of mine my husband was out of town last week and a friend of mine came over to watch the kids so that I could go out so so it was a couple so the dad stayed with our kids and 
the wife and I went and got a massage and we've been sort of processing some big stuff and making some big decisions and I knew that I had tension in my shoulders Mm -hmm. and I was like this is going to be so great it was a disaster (laughs) (laughs) because I (laughs) released all this tension and I probably unleashed all these Mm -hmm. toxins into my system and I felt terrible and I felt like I I physically like I was tired and I Uh was my muscles were hurting and it kind of upset my stomach mm-hmm. and just a few other things. But it was just so interesting to me how connected my body was yes. to all of these. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like a trauma or anything, but we were just making some big decisions about business and about family. And mm-hmm. um, I was carrying all of that so mm-hmm. heavily in my body mm-hmm. and I hadn't felt the weight of that until I thought that I'd just do something to make myself feel better. <laughs> Um, it was just, yeah, it was quite eye-opening. I'm glad you said that because I think the reality is, yes, it would be nice to have relational connections every day. And, you know, I think we hear that and we want that. But when we begin to take care of ourselves and mm-hmm. we begin to name and identify pain, it, it's going to stir up the dirt. That's right. It's going to be yeah. hard mm-hmm. and it's going to look ugly <laughs> before yeah. it gets better. I mean, even just when you go and you your massage and the pain when you're releasing those knots I mean that's very real people that we trust that we share our pain with that maybe not won't know how to hold our emotion Mm -hmm. and it might feel like a messy experience doesn't mean it's not worth fighting for I think Mm -hmm. that there's a battle to go through before it begins this restorative process in us but even when it feels kind of yucky or messy it's still very healing for us before we start to feel feel the healing starting to take place that's so true. It's, that's really, really good. It's such an encouragement, I think, and for people who are just starting the process. Because whether it's, you know, with detoxing food or something you're doing emotionally or therapy or whatever, it, it always is painful and messy on the onset. And mm-hmm. I think a lot of people initially start and go, oh, it's not working. Uh-huh. It's worse, mm-hmm. you know, but to have that encouragement to, to, to walk through, walk it. through it, keep yeah. going, it will get better. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say for people who aren't married that you, you may not have a spouse that, or you might be married and your spouse can't hold your pain yet. Right. And you, mm-hmm. it's not a safe place for you to share your emotions yet. And that's its whole other process and journey doesn't mean that they won't, but we have to find outlets right. for us to share our pain, mm-hmm. safe places, people who love the Lord and, and can hold your pain and see it in a way that's helpful and restorative. Yeah. And sometimes we need we need to coach people in how to respond because we don't know how to respond in a validating way. Mm-hmm. And so I think even I just want to throw out too when someone's sharing their pain the best the, the only thing that we can really communicate isn't a solution. Right. We need to soothe their pain. I mean, I think I heard um you had Sarah, I believe, here, and she was talking about the amygdala in the brain mm-hmm. and how that needs to be soothed before the mm-hmm. the frontal cortex, or is it the cerebral yeah. cortex? I don't remember. I can't remember. Now. The logical part of our brain cannot function unless the amygdala yeah. is calmed down. Right. So when someone is having pain, what they really need more than a solution mm-hmm. is a relational connection. Right. We're not able to rationally, logically process the issue right. or the thing that's in front of us. Uh-huh. So when someone's to. sharing their pain, for us to say, I'm so sorry, I'm so glad you told me, 
that must really hurt. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that we need to say and let that sit, you know, because it's true. Those things are really hard, you know? Um, and, and, and emotion, what I've learned about emotion is that emotion isn't right or wrong. It's valid. Mm -hmm. It's not a logical experience. It's just valid. Mm -hmm. And it drives us to relational connection. And it's important for us to be able to say that to ourselves. I think I don't give myself permission to feel that way. Mm -hmm. Like it is wrong or I, you know, um, and so when you're having those internal conversations with, you know, um, to be able to do that. So then that you give yourself permission to go to somebody else with that pain to be able to process it, I think is really helpful Mm -hmm. as well. Could you talk to us a little bit about, um, your prayer process like you 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 talked about you know you sit down and you tell Jesus what's on your mind Mm -hmm. and you hear him how did you develop that ability was there a process that you went through in order to hear those things from the Lord and have confidence that Mm -hmm. that it was him speaking to you and that's a good question um I spent the first um 10 years of my relationship with Jesus reading my Bible a lot. I had a lot of time (laughs) to read my Bible and I did. And I really spent a lot of time in Isaiah and in the gospels and Jesus became alive to me as I Mm. read about him. And I felt like I kind of came from a conservative black and white, wrong or right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Legalistic Legalistic. church. Mm -hmm. Um, and, but as the one thing that they really brought to me was this, this passion for scripture. Yeah. And sometimes it's hard to navigate through scripture with context and understanding, but I just found Jesus to be alive and real and who he, what I was learning about him was like better and kind of a little bit more rebellious and a little bit more kind <laughs> than what I learned oh, in church. Yeah. And so Jesus just, I felt like I literally felt like he just came alive in my room where I was reading and, mm. and I was 17 at the time and he just became super personal to me and I wanted to follow him and following Jesus meant that I was kind of a rebel in church because <laughs> he was so different, so you know, so much more kind and so much safer than anything I hadn't even learned, um, even going to my church. And, um, I think as I learned his character and began to trust him, so I would learn a little bit more. I felt like he'd be asking me to do something and I would take a little step forward and I would see Mm -hmm. him kind of meet me there. And it's, and it's really over time, you know, where you start to see the faithfulness and the character of God. And I think as I learned the character of Jesus, then now in my life where I don't have enough, I don't have them as much space to spend those lingering hours with the Lord. I know his character. And so I kind of know That's what right. he says in response to my pain because I just feel like I know him. Right. You know, but I think it's, it's knowing his character. Mm-hmm. And I think even for us, no matter where we are in the journey, if we can, if we can focus on his character and his goodness as a father, when we come to him and we can kind of meditate on what a good father is and what that means and yeah. how they love their children, what, what is a good father and and I and I, I tend to start my time with him meditating on him as a father. What does that look like when I see him? How does he approach me? You know, does mm-hmm. he like run into my like does he let me run into his arms, you know? Yeah. Does he laugh? You know, does he mm-hmm. I try to picture 
his eyes and his expression and the sound of his voice and those types of things. And it's all revolving around his character. And so when I dwell on that, sometimes I feel like his words come out a little bit clearer. Mm. That's fantastic. I'm not sure what to say about that. (laughs) I think that's exactly what he desires for us to do. Yeah. Like just that's hitting the nail on the head to know him to know his nature, you know, the same. And I feel like growing up in church, it always is so hokey when people say things like, um, I don't know, getting to know Jesus. I just totally lost my train of thought, but this like getting to know Jesus process seems really stupid. I don't know if mm. everyone else, but just there's a <laughs> cheesiness to it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But it's, um, oh, like, well, you know, if you want to get to know someone, you spend time with them and you get to know who they are. But it does, there's just, it, it's so divorced from, it's the God of the universe and he wants to know me. Yeah. I don't know. There's just this divorce there, but you, you did that. You've literally done that where you spend time with him, not mm-hmm. just thinking about him, but meditating, dwelling in his presence so that you come to know my sheep hear my voice. You know, they know me, mm. they know what I feel like. They know what I sound like. Mm-hmm. They know how I say what I say and they know what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And they even know what I'm going to say before I say it because they know me so well, Right. you know, the same mm. way we would with our husband or any person that we have a long mm-hmm. right. really history yeah. with. And it's really true, you know, but I feel true. like growing up, it just seemed really cheesy. Yeah. At least for me, the way it was presented, it was like, no, but that's literally it. And it's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's what we're supposed to do to know him. It's interesting that to me that in this series, like Naomi spoke last week, a lot about getting in the word and about knowing who Jesus is and that Jesus is sitting on the throne. And as we can, I don't know, I think she might've even used the same language of like aligning ourselves. Uh Um, I just think we all need to hear this. I think we all need to get into the word and to know Jesus, not as you say, kind of know about him, uh, think about him. But as we read the word or as we're going about our day, we're thinking about who he is to engage with him on a personal level, Um, not just sort of conceptually who he Mm -hmm. is, but how he relates to me and my, he knows all my quirkiness and my weird little dysfunctions, you know, but he loves but it. He Right. He delights in me. Yeah. And he is so kind. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's great. That's great truth. I think we may have run out of time. Is there anything else that you wanted that was on your heart to share, Kerry, or parting thoughts? Well, I'll share one more thing and and you can cut it out if you don't like it. <laughs> um, you know, I think the pace of our lives is really important. I mm. think of our relationship with him isn't just like a one, like you tr- you kind of like throw your bit out for him. And if he doesn't show up, he's not real, you know, or you've done it a right. few times. It's like, it's the pace and rhythm of your life doing it over and over again, like a farmer tending land to mm. grow crop, you know, yeah. it's a long-term perspective and Neurologists are coming out with this new research um, that's non-controversial across the board. There's healing in your in parts of your brain that actually lower anxiety and lower depression yeah. um, and increase empathy. Um, and the three things that um, heal those parts of your brain are exercise, reading, and meditation mm. or prayer, you know. And it's the slowing down of your life to be able to afford those things long-term that really 
allow us to really connect with the Lord and heal and have the space and time for a relational connection. Yeah. So Exercise, cool. reading, and prayer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I look at all this in perspective. My quick, like, sum up takeaways, like, as we're talking about managing our hearts in the midst of raging conflict and what's happened right now in our country and throughout everything that ever happens in our lives, mm-hmm. if again and again rooted and grounded in the Word of God and right. in knowing who He is and in taking and incorporating how to process our emotions with Jesus, we're going to be okay. Yeah. <laughs> that's, my, that's a great <laughs> that's summary. That's landed. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think for me that the concept of stepping back and looking who at who Jesus is and how he relates with me as a as an intimate personal relationship mm-hmm. and I mean just the challenge of switching off media and knowing mm. you know I don't have anything against um, Pinterest or <laughs> you know social media or, or any of those things are not evil in and of themselves but where they are replacing something or not bringing life that it's really healthy because I think, I don't know, in my own process, I feel like there's dead space and sometimes um, where you have quiet or whatever, it's hard to sit with yourself, you know, mm-hmm. and so you kind of fill that space and yeah. that's a really unhelpful practice. Yep. So I think my little takeaway is to take those 15 minutes or where whatever it is, like I often have time when I'm sitting in the pickup line to pick up my kids, just to chat with Jesus, just to invite Him into that space, um, and to take us and to take a step back from the mm. the busyness and the I don't know <coughs> the noise. Yeah, that's a that's a good word for it. You just sort of feel harassed, and it's so true. Yeah, and I think I I look to those things. You know, <laughs> I sort of think I've I've got time. I should be doing something productive. Mm. But actually, probably the most productive thing I can do is be aware of my myself and my heart, and to connect with Jesus. So, great truth, Carrie. Thank you. Oh, I hope it was helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Thank definitely. you for being here. I'm so glad to be here. Yeah. So, connect with Jesus and get in the Word be aligned and orientated around who he is and what he's saying and not what is going on around us good job awesome bless you bye guys bye